Hello, Convention of State podcast listeners. Normally, we reserve this channel for audio versions of our live broadcast, COS Live and the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. But as a bonus, we like to occasionally release some historic legacy audio for your enjoyment. In this recording from 2019, the Arkansas House debates the Convention of State's resolution. Arkansas would become the 13th state to adopt our Article 5 application. Applying the United States Congress to call a convention for proposing amendments pursuant to Article 5 of the United States Constitution. Thank you, members. This is just the cleanup bill. Rep I think it is. Representative McCollum, you're recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, members, today we're very fortunate. We are fortunate that we have the opportunity to vote for a resolution that can provide a solution as big as the problem. One of those measured problems that we have today is the national debt, $22 trillion. Additionally, we have another $122 trillion in unfunded liabilities. These unfunded liabilities used for Medicare, Social Security, Medicaid. It's important to understand the unfunded liability part because this, date, this debt is being raised for just public consumption which means that the current advantage is only to the current generation. And it becomes a little more personal for me. As your youngest colleague, I beg you to do something about this with me. But not just something about it. The exact remedy that the Founding Fathers envisioned for times like ours. And it's not just the debt, as you guys know, that's the issue. It's the general overreach of the federal government in our everyday lives. It's the regulatory crisis, federal attacks on state sovereignty. I would say that federal government has essentially turned our state legislature into regional agencies rather than respecting us for the truly independent states that we are. The biggest issue for me, it's the federal takeover of the decision-making process. Who decides what law shall be is even more important than what is decided. Washington, D.C. currently has control over roughly 65% of our budget. So my question is, are we going to let D.C. continue to decide if they know what's best for Arkansans, or do we want Arkansans to be able to decide for themselves? That's what I believe. It's what the majority of our Senate colleagues believe. It's what these petitioners believe. It's what a high percentage of Arkansans believe. And uh, I hope you guys can show that you believe the same thing today. So this resolution calls for an amendment convention for three things in particular. Imposing fiscal constraints on the federal government, limiting the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and limiting terms for its office, for the office of its officials. By the way, since I started talking probably two minutes ago, federal debt's gone up a million a minute. I have to tell you, I started as somewhat as a skeptic on this uh, particular issue, and through history, studying, logic, frankly, and a little bit of precedent, I've come to the following conclusions that I want to share with you all, because I know that generally most of us agree there is an issue, but a lot of the conversation is about, is this the right remedy? As I mentioned, the Article 5 procedure, the application and convention procedure, is the exact remedy that the Founding Fathers envisioned for times like ours. They set up these mechanisms so that the state legislature could respond 
you guys, the people, if the federal government ever became abusive or dysfunctional. So the question you have to ask yourself is, do you feel like that is the case? Is that happening? This is the tool that the founders designed for this very circumstance. Amendments have historically been very powerful reform tools. As a matter of fact, they are, seem to be respected more by the courts than, and other federal agencies more than the actual Constitution. Amending the Constitution will help our country. I've heard many individuals object to that, saying that uh, you know, the Constitution isn't the problem. It's actually the federal officials. And I, I believe Arkansas, we, we send some pretty excellent delegates to DC. So really, I, I would tell you that most of the problems our country is facing is the result of constitutional interpretations that capitalize on ambiguities. Um, general welfare clause being interpreted as unlimited powers comes to mind. We can restore this federal government to its proper limited place only by clarifying the original meaning of those phrases through constitutional amendments. A big important point I want you guys to kind of reflect on is this process is a constitutional right itself. It's a right guaranteed by the Constitution, like the right to vote, like the right to publish whatever you want. Some of my conservative colleagues here talk about the rights of the states. This mechanism was set up for the people to circumvent Congress to make reforms in the Constitution they thought were important. So you as state legislatures in this process get to act as actual direct representation of the people, hence it being a joint resolution. This is a right given, us, given to us by our founders, arguably the most important check to our entire Constitution. Another point, Convention of States has plenty of checks and balances. I know folks um, are worried about risk associated with such a process. I would make the argument that our founders were masters of checks and balances, and that they put many safeguards in place to ensure that a convention would never run away. 38 states must ratify any proposal coming out of said convention before any changes would be made to the Constitution. There are far more checks on a runaway convention than on our current runaway Congress. I would say runaway courts, runaway bureaucrats, now the opposition, I'm sure you here, will say things like, now is not the time in today's political environment with unlimited political spending, with uh, fear of abolishing the electoral college, and they'll say things like, shouldn't we be afraid special interest groups will rewrite our entire constitution? No. How do we know that's the rule? There are over 400 applications out there that have been submitted to Congress for an Article 5 convention in the history of our country. Um, as Representative De La Rosa has pointed out in the past, in Arkansas, there's several. But the reason we have never had a convention is because Congress refuses to certify that they are on the same subject manner. There has never been 34 applications seeking a convention for the same purpose. Courts have verified that that's what has happened. We have a long history in the country of states applying for this Article 5 conventions, but we've never been able to get there because the states have never agreed or aligned on the subject matter. In order for this convention to happen, 
It requires, as I said, those 34 states to aggregate. That aggregation requires that the applications are identical or substantially similar in nature in order to get the convention. Now, states can instruct their respective delegates to entertain a more narrow scope than what is within the aggregated application, but they cannot broaden the topic beyond the identified in the 34 past applications. Another thing I hear from the opposition, many delegates will not be bound by the states when they get there. They believe these delegates will have fuller powers. And um, I would say in the context of the Constitution, and if you read Article 5, their power is drawn specifically from Article 5 of the Constitution and is thus inherently limited. The language of Article 5 specifically indicates they cannot draft a new Constitution in total. It states, shall call it a convention for proposing amendments, which in either case shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution. Note the language, as part of this Constitution, not a new Constitution in total or anything like that. And after whatever comes out of the convention, it has to be approved by three-fourths of the state. So, so anyone to say we're going to get a new Constitution out of this process is you're saying that the convention would magically exceed what they are bound to in the first place, and then three-fourths of the states would want to get rid of the Constitution after the fact. Article 5 says Congress calls the convention. Congress can't take over the convention of states. Congress's role is limited to the call, which sets the date, time, and locations. This legal term is referred to as ministerial secretarial role. In this role, Congress is acting in a limited administrative capacity. I've heard in uh, several, um, I guess I would say, I would say just the opposition claims that Congress is, would perhaps use Article I powers that under the Constitution and could simply take over the Convention of States once it's called and do as they will with our Constitution. But that's not true. The question has already been decided in federal court. Idaho versus Freeman, 1981, the court found that, quote, in proposing or acting on a proposed constitutional amendment, Congress is not acting pursuant to its ordinary legislative powers found in Article I, but acts according to those powers granted under Article V. Thus, Congress, outside of the authority granted by Article V, has no power to act with regard to an amendment i.e. it does not retain any of its traditional authority vested in it by Article I. I've heard the opposition point out a Congressional Research Service report found that Congress has previously proposed broad responsibilities for itself regarding the Article V Convention. What they do not tell you is that every single one of those proposals were defeated or not even brought up by a debate in Congress. Even Congress knew it didn't have the authority to take over a convention of states. This very same Congressional Research Survey, cited by the opposition earlier, has this to say in conclusion about a runaway convention. Finally, the, reported, the report noted that the founders did not provide unchecked power to Article V Convention. Every amendment proposed would be subject to the, the same conditions faced by amendments proposed by Congress. The notion of a runaway convention succeeding in an amending the Constitution in a, man in a manner opposed by the American people is not nearly remote, it is impossible.
My final point, the Article 5 procedural will not threaten the Constitution. We want to use the Constitution to restore the Constitution. And my, my question to you, for those that say that, is which, which Constitution are you talking about? Are you talking about this you know, pocket Constitution that we like to carry around, or are you talking about this? Representative Love, for what purpose? Point of order. Let me make your point. I, I would I want to ask the parliamentarian if there are use of props in the well. Just to be clear, what I'm hearing is the Constitution is a, I is a prop. I understand that, but it's it's a it's a issue you're using it as a prop. All right, we'll vote for this resolution so that uh, we can make this look a lot more like this. Representative McCollum, to Representative Love's point, uh, you are allowed to bring a book to the well. Uh, but you may not use a book as a prop. Uh, and at this point, Representative McCollum just brought a book to the well, so it is permitted. Thank you. Representative McCollum has explained the resolution. Would anyone like to speak against the resolution? Representative Crawford, you may speak against the resolution. Well, I'm a freshman. It's my first time in the well. You all look lovely. I stand before you today with great respect for each one of you. You are here because you are passionate about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for all our Kansans. Every time the founders spoke of using Article 5, it was in the context of upholding while amending, if needed, the Constitution. Hamilton said it was correcting unforeseen issues in the Constitution. Madison said the Constitution would certainly be incomplete. Amendments, therefore, will be necessary. The founders never suggest it was for reining in public elites who ignore and violate our Constitution. The Constitution is not the cause of bondage, but rather the guiding light to liberty. Our constitutional solution, if the federal government blatantly ignores its responsibility to uphold the Constitution is Article 6, not Article 5. Article 6 requires every elected official to swear an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States of America. And I am proud to stand in the midst of such people. Thank you. We, the people, have two avenues by which to influence Congress to join with us in upholding the Constitution of the United States. The first avenue is through state governments to be used only as a defensive power. Alexander Hamilton said, if the assistance of the state legislatures be necessary to give effect to a measure of the Union, they have only 
not to act or to act evasively. And the measure is defeated. The condition describes most unconstitutional federal programs, as our colleague referenced. Most of them can be abated simply by the state refusing to be complicit in enacting them. If needed, the states can actively block the federal government from enforcing unconstitutional acts. James Madison proclaimed, the state can create legislative devices which would form very serious barriers presenting obstructions which the federal government would not be willing to encounter. States have used this power successfully hundreds of times in our nation's history. Even now, states such as Texas and South Carolina are proposing bills establishing committees to evaluate and determine whether a federal law is authorized by the Constitution. This is offensive power and originally advocated by the Founding Fathers if ever needed over Congress. Hamilton tells us this requires a people enlightened enough to distinguish between legal exercise and illegal use of authority. They, as the natural guardians of the Constitution, would throw their weight into the national scale, reigning in action of domination. We, the people, are the natural guardians of the Constitution of the United States, and we hold the highest power in the land. It is up to us, the people, to uphold and defend the Constitution. For when the people understand and act in adherence to Article 6, America will continue to be the land of the free and the home of the brave. You, my friends, my colleagues, you're a jury today, and the United States Constitution is on trial. And I'm asking you, with a clear conscience, can you vote for this bill, for this amendment? Can you do that? Can you go back and look your, look your constituents in the face and say, I voted against America today. Can you do that? I hope not. We live in a great country. We are people who stand up for the United States of America not to tear it down. And I ask you, please vote against. SJR 3. It's in your hands. The people in your district are begging you vote against it. Thank you. Representative Crawford has spoken against the resolution. Would anyone like to speak for the resolution? Representative Bragg, you're recognized to speak for the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Colleagues, I've been all over the scope on this issue. You know, when it first came up several years ago, 
you know, the, the issues that are addressed, the fiscal responsibility, the restraint on the government, those all sounded like great ideas that, that we needed to address. And then I started reading, and, and I'd get information on, on one side and, and you know, the, the, the pro side, and I'd say, well, that sounds really good. You know, that, that's something we need to do. And then I'd get information on the, on the con side and say, well, that, that sounds really, really good too. You know, both, both, both sides had, had very articulate uh, uh, cases to make, very justified, but both credible sources, you know, for pro and con. And I, I kept wavering back and forth. In the last session, it, it came up, and I, I was about ready to support it, and then I, I just had that gnawing feeling and, and doubt. You know, this whole idea about the runaway convention was, was, was bothering me. You know, could something like that actually happen? And, and I uh, respect uh, Representative McCollum's explanation of all those details that were gone through, and those were the things that I, I kept looking at very strongly, you know, the protections against that. And so I had to, I had to resolve two questions. Could we really have a runaway convention? And do we really need it in the first place? Even if we could do this, do we, do we, really, do we really need it? And so I, I kept studying, kept reading, uh, and, it, and it wasn't until just, just recently, within the last few weeks, that I, I came to the conviction that I'm, I'm perfectly satisfied with the confidence that, uh, with the, with the uh, rules in place, that we wouldn't have a runaway convention. I think there's even one state that says if their delegates try to get outside those parameters, it's a felony offense and maybe a $10,000 fine. So I think there's, there's controls there. And then the next issue I, I had to resolve was, do we really need it? You know, that's something we probably need to ask on any legislation. Do we really need it? And over the years, I kept, the one reason I kept delaying on this is thinking, well, you know, certainly Congress is gonna start uh, reining in a little bit of fiscal responsibility. And uh, I haven't seen any effort on the part of Congress or any, any of the states to address these, these fiscal issues. Today's paper said our debt uh, exceeded $22 trillion now. So do we really need it? Um, I finally made up my mind a couple of weeks ago when uh, I think it was Senator Imhoff, a former senator from, from Oklahoma, posed a question. He said, for those against this, then what's your plan? If, if, if you don't want this, then what's the plan to control the burgeoning debt and the overreach of the federal government? And that just really stuck with me. I, you know, I haven't seen a plan. So that, colleagues, is, is how I came to, to be able to support this, and I'd appreciate a good vote. Representative Bragg has spoken for the resolution. Would anyone like to speak against the resolution? Representative Wooten, you're recognized to speak against the resolution. Mr. Speaker, fellow colleagues, I too am a freshman. And I promised myself I wouldn't, wouldn't come down here today. But I'm telling you, if I've ever heard the truth spoken, we heard it from Representative Crawford. America is on trial today. We face many challenging issues. 
But we have only to look back at World War II and World War I. It's challenges that faced America. Do I have a plan? I certainly do. The Constitution of the United States of America. I'm the second oldest member in this house. Mr. Walker is the oldest. I don't know whether he wants <laughs> I don't know whether he want me to share that or not, but he he shared that. I'm proud of it. I know he is too. Because we've seen a lot of changes in America. But you want me to tell you what the reflection of this country is? We hear an awful lot about the problems in Washington, and they are immense. We have dug a debt. Now they want you want we can be proud in Arkansas that we have a balanced budget and we can't expend more than we take in. But you want to see the pain, you try to correct the budget condition of the debt of $22 trillion just yesterday it turned. But let me share with you what a reflection of America is, and that's every one of us and every citizen in this state. And we have an opportunity every two years and every four years given to us by our Constitution to make a change in Washington, D.C. And we better, we better make a change. We're fortunate in our state as to where we are with our congressional delegation, but there better be some other states that wise up or we are going to be in even more serious trouble than we're in today. And now is not the time to change our Constitution. We've got enough to deal with. I keep hearing about term limits and all of that. And the truth. And I am not sold on the thought that Mr. McCullough presented that it cannot go awry. They can go anywhere they want to once they get up there and start deliberating. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. But I ask you to remember where you live and how blessed and how fortunate we are as a people. We have an opportunity today for Arkansas to stand and be seen by the nation. There are going to be those that are going to mock you. There are going to be those that get in your face. Well, I got news for you. I'm sick and tired of them getting in my face. I'm going to start getting in their face. We've got to toughen up. But today you have the opportunity, as Representative Crawford pointed out. Thank you. Representative Wooten has spoken against the resolution. Would anyone like to speak for the resolution? Representative Gates, you're recognized to speak for the resolution. 
First of all, I would like to take off the table the patriotism of the members of this body. I'm going to support it. I'm going to vote for it. But I have friends and colleagues that I appreciate and that I honor and respect, have guts and courage. And if I were in a foxhole, I would want them in my foxhole. However, we can disagree in this body without calling into patriotism people's stance on this issue. Because I have people on my side that would call in to question the patriotism that people that are going to vote against this measure. And I would say to them, these are people that have bought into a belief of their own. And that's what makes America great. And not necessarily buying into someone's belief should we question their patriotism. I believe not too long in the South, if you believed in segregated schools, wasn't that long ago when we had governors that prevented and we didn't do that in the South. And thankfully we had, we had a country that came and said, we are one people. We come from different backgrounds and we come from different ideas, but we're one people. So I'm taken off of that. I'm gonna support this today and here is the reason why. 22 trillion dollars in debt, I'm 58 years old. And when representatives like McCollum, who are my kids age, when they reach 58, no country in the world has ever reached the place that we're in and survived. And if Congress doesn't rein itself in, and I don't see any indication that it will do so. But I would like to address another issue that not, has not been brought up. The great people of the state of Arkansas overwhelmingly supported an amendment to our Constitution that said marriage would be defined between one man and one woman, and we have individuals that are called federal judges and Supreme Court judges that overrule the will of the people of the state of Arkansas who overwhelmingly want to define Arkansas marriage. But we have some unelected officials telling us how we are going to live and define our relationships. If not this, then what? So I look at all the institutions that are fighting against this measure. I don't see a single person or single organization that I would find politically opposites of me supporting this measure. All the people that I'm opposed to, all the organizations I'm opposed to politically have lined up against this measure. And that's a point I take into consideration. But I look at all the conservative former senators, U.S. senators and former congressmen that are no longer in office that are fighting for this amendment who have themselves said Congress will not unless the people of the United States exercise this option. Unless we exercise that option. So I appreciate, I've got some members that I really, really respect in this body that we will disagree. And when we push our little button, I'm gonna push the little green button and they're gonna push the red button. And they are as red blooded American patriots as I, we just come to this conclusion differently. And so I encourage you to ask yourself if we're going to allow 
unelected a people to tell us how we will define the way we live in Arkansas and taking out of control, out of us, the representatives of the people of the state of Arkansas, if they are not reined in, then who is? And how much more of our powers we relegate to federal elected officials that will tell us how to live here in the great state of Arkansas. I encourage you to vote in favor of this bill. Thank you. Representative Gates has spoken in favor of the resolution. Would anyone like to speak against the resolution? Would anyone like to speak for the resolution? Representative Smith, you recognize to speak for the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Colleagues, I'm going to support SJR 3 for one reason and one reason only. The opposition to a convention of states has no plan. I spoke with constituents that dropped by my home last week more than once, and they're concerned about the direction our nation is headed, but they said, we have no plan because I asked them, I said, well, what would you do if we don't call for a convention of states? Without exception, they said, I don't know, and that bothers me, but I'm afraid of a convention of states. And so my question to you is, if not now, when? We can either manage the decline of our nation, or we can step up and try to guide our nation back to some common sense approach to governance. And so I would ask for a good vote on SJR 3. Representative Smith has spoken in favor of the resolution. Would anyone like to speak against the resolution? Would anyone like to speak for the resolution? Representative Meeks, you're recognized to speak for the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Colleagues, I know a lot of us have probably already made our decisions on which way we're going to vote on this, but um, I wanted to come up and talk to you about uh, two things that uh, haven't been mentioned before, and I want to do it in the context of fear and faith. And I don't, you know, I could always go back to when our founding fathers faced the fear of going against the greatest military power in the history of the world at that time to establish our nation. We could talk about the fear of a divided country during the years of the Civil War or the, the fear of facing two world wars. But instead, what I wanted to talk to you about is faith. Our founding fathers had faith in their fellow citizens and in providence that they could establish a new nation in this country based upon the principles that we see in our Constitution. Our forebearers had faith that we could endure a civil war and that we could prevail during two world wars to help spread freedom around the planet. And now, or, or, let me back up, I'm gonna add one more just because I'm a space guy. We had faith that we could conquer the unknown and land people on the moon. In America, when we have faith and put our mind to things, we can accomplish greatness. And if you look at the people who are opposing this bill, the reason that they are opposing this bill is because they are afraid of what would happen to the Constitution. Fear is what's driving most people not to support 
this bill. But I'm going to ask you to look at it from a faith perspective. Because you have to remember, a runaway convention is not the final answer as to what happens to our Constitution. We are. The states are. Realize there are 99 legislative bodies across this country. In order for any amendment to be adopted by the Constitution, either through a convention of states or by an amendment sent out by Congress, 70 of those bodies at least have to approve it. Now, you all understand the debates we have with just two legislative bodies here in Arkansas. Imagine what it would take to get 70 bodies like our own to agree on something. Do you honestly believe that if this convention of states runs away and wants to propose a brand new constitution and say do away with the second amendment, do away with the freedom of religion or whatever great fear you have, do you honestly believe that 70 of our legislative bodies, 70 colleagues, groups of ours, 70 fellow bodies of Americans are going to adopt that? I don't. Do you? Let me throw this out. One of the provisions in this bill is to put term limits on congressmen. We've had that debate within our state. Imagine the fight that's going to ensue. What's that limit going to be? Is it going to be 10 years, 12 years, 15, 16 years? How easy do you think it's going to be to get 70 legislative bodies out of 99 to agree just on something as simple as that? So I'm asking you, because of the reasons that have been brought up, have faith in your fellow Americans. Because if we can't have faith in our fellow Americans that they love the Constitution just as much as we do, if we don't believe that 70 of the 99 legislative bodies are going to have the same love of the Constitution and are going to work to protect the Constitution just as much as we do, I would submit that the Constitution's already dead. I have faith in our fellow Americans. And I would ask you to join me to share that faith and to vote yes on this resolution. Representative Meeks has spoken for the resolution. Would anyone like to speak against the resolution? Representative Douglas, you're recognized to speak against the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Members, I had some thoughts on what I was going to say about this. I had some concerns whether I was going to speak, come down here and speak for or against it. I've heard a lot of great talks there, a lot of points made by some fine members of this body. It's changed what, what I wanted to say, but it's just, it's just really a big concern to me. This is the Constitution of the United States of America, our founding principles we're talking about here. And I look at the political divisiveness we have in this country today. You know, for, for my members on, on the right of the political spectrum, I remind you, we just recently elected Barack Obama twice. We then put the gavel of the House of Representatives back in Nancy Pelosi's hands. But for my members on the left of the political spectrum, Remember, we just put Donald Trump in as president of this country. We are so divided. It's scary to me what we might come up with. Yes, it's a high bar 
Representative Mapes, that we have to reach, but do we want to take that chance? I'll just end with one quote here. And I don't mean to be funny about this, but there was a quote from a movie that said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Think about that. We don't know for sure what we're going to get. And changing the Constitution without that surety of what we're going to end up with just scares the hell out of me. I'm a no. Thank you. Representative Douglas has spoken against the resolution. Would anyone like to speak for the resolution? Representative Ladyman, you're recognized to speak for the resolution. Whoops. Got an equipment malfunction. You just. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, like Representative Douglas, I had some comments I wanted to make. I, I'll, I'll try not to repeat what's been said. As he said, there's been a lot of good information given here by a lot of good people and people that I respect. Uh, so I'm not going to talk much about what's in this resolution. I'm going to talk about what's not in it and talk a little bit about the fear element that Representative Meeks talked about. You know, uh, there's a risk to about anything that we do. How many people drove a car or rode in a car to get here today? Some of y'all walked maybe, but most of you did. Did you take a risk getting in that car and driving down here? It's one of the most dangerous ways to travel, isn't it? But none of us were hurt, why? because that risk was managed. We have laws. We have enforcement officers. So that risk was managed, and it was taken care of. That's what we're talking about here. I just want to talk about the fear element. That's not the right word, but about the potential of a problem. Let me put it that way. With this resolution, I think most people would say that we need to do something when we talk about the debt. They would say something needs to be done. We don't know what it is, but something needs to be done. We have one potential solution here that was given to us in our Constitution. And our Constitution is great. And I, I would say everybody here wants to support our Constitution. Uh, but we have a solution. Are there risks involved? Yes, there are. There are always risks. In my career, the last 15 years, I, that's what I've done is managed risk. I've had people work with chemicals on a daily basis that could kill them. It didn't. Why didn't it? Because we put protections in. They had personal protective equipment that kept them working every day, making a good living, working with hazardous materials, hazardous chemicals. There were safeties in place. I would argue that there are safeties in place for this resolution so that it will not be a runaway, quote, convention. It can be controlled. And I'll just end with one thing. Think about, you know, we, we talk about a great constitution, and it is. 
How about a great country? We've got a great country that started on the East Coast, right? And people went west in, in wagons or whatever, right? And they, they faced risk, but they were willing to do that because it was a great country and they wanted to settle it and they wanted to make it better without r taking a risk, without trying things that will improve our life, our constitution, our country, we cannot improve. We need to improve, we need to reduce our debt, and I think this is one way we can work on that. And I feel like there are enough safeties in place that we should not fear this being a runaway convention. We should bring people together, we should discuss this, and we should try to make our country better. And I would ask that you support this bill. Representative Ladyman has spoken for the resolution. Would anyone like to speak against the resolution? Representative speaks. Your, Representative Wardlaw, for what purpose? Motion. What's your motion? Immediate consideration. The proper motion. It's not debatable. All in favor say aye. Aye. Any opposed? No. Motion passes. The question before the House is the passage of Senate Joint Resolution 3. We have two pairs on the desk. Representative Payton votes yes. Representative McKenzie votes no. It was witnessed by Representative Crawford. Representative Payton is the present member. Are there any procedural objections to this pair? Please do not vote either of these two voting machines. We have another pair on the desk. Representative Pilkington votes yes. Representative De La Rosa votes no. Witnessed by Representative Evans. Representative De La Rosa is the present member. Are there any procedural objections to this pair? Please do not vote either of these two voting machines. Prepare the machine, Mr. Clerk. Has everyone voted? Cast up the ballot, Mr. Clerk. By a vote of 56 yeas and 40 nays, the resolution is passed. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod. Thank you for listening.